Good morning, men. Uh, how was breakfast? Good? Yeah. Okay. If you would, open your Bibles to 2 Peter. That's toward the end of it, end of the Bible. You get to Revelation, you've gone too far. The book of 2 Peter, you might say, is the Apostle Paul, uh, Apostle Peter's last will and testament in that he says Jesus has told him that he's about to die. Peter tells us that the goal that he has in this book is to stir stir us up as Christians by way of reminder about living by biblical faith. All men live by faith from the Christian to the atheist. All faith is uncertain. A man's faith is what he believes. Let me repeat that. A man's faith is what he believes. Biblical faith is based on the teaching of the scriptures of the Bible. The book of 2 Peter is three chapters. The first chapter is living by biblical faith. The second chapter is guarding biblical faith. And the third chapter is finishing biblical faith. And men, we're just going to scratch the surface this morning, but I tell you that to uh, encourage you to get some other guys and spend some time slowly going through the book because it'll uh, it'll transform your your walk with Jesus. So this morning we're going to focus on part of chapter one of living by biblical faith. Notice in verse two if you will of the chapter one Peter says to you and to me as Christians grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. Grace and peace be multiplied. Jesus, Jesus says something the same when he says in John 16, 33, these things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage. I've overcome the world. Again, Jesus says in John 14, 27, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Let not it be fearful. Again, the Apostle Paul says in Colossians 3.15, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Again, the Apostle Paul writes in Philippians 4.7, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Again, Peter says to you and me as Christians, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. Grace and peace are the evidence of living by biblical faith. Biblical faith is not static, but fluid as we, as we as Christians live life. Biblical faith being fluid, mean, meaning if we will as Christians be faithful, it will grow and become more meaningful in our lives. 
The first seven verses of chapter one of Second Peter teaches us the what and the how of living by biblical faith. There is where we're going to focus this morning. If you would, let me open with prayer and then we'll, we'll kickstart this thing. So, Father, we, uh, we come before you as uh, needy men. Father, unless you join us and be the teacher, we know that nothing will happen. As you said, Lord Jesus, apart from me, you can do nothing. So we'd ask you to join us by your Holy Spirit. I pray that you'd meet each one of us at our point of need that we might know and understand you better so that we can love and glorify you more fully. And we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's look at verse one. Simon Peter, a bond servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have received a faith, the same kind of ours, by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. In verse one, Peter lays out the baseline for biblical faith. Who are we as Christians? We're bond servants of Jesus. We're slaves of Jesus. That's who we are. And then what are we about? Well, Peter was about being an apostle of Jesus Christ. Hmm. We as Christians are about being an ambassador for Jesus Christ. Turn with me. We're coming back to 2 Peter. But turn with me to 2 Corinthians 5. So who are we? We're bond servants of Jesus Christ. What are we about? We're ambassadors for Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.20. 2 Corinthians 5.20. And above this verse, the Apostle Paul tells us that you and I as Christians have been given the ministry of reconciliation. That means... God uses us to help men be reconciled to himself. And then he says, we've been given the word of reconciliation, which is the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And then in verse 20, he tells us what we're to be about. He says, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. We represent Christ. We are ambassadors for Christ as though God were making an appeal through us we beg you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. Hmm. So that's who we are, man. That's what we're about. Notice also in this verse that Peter calls Je Peter doesn't call Jesus the son of God, which he is, but he calls him God. Hmm. The last in this verse, the last Lastly, the foundation of our faith is the righteousness work of Christ on the cross. Hmm. Now let's go to verse 2 through 4. Let me read it and you follow along and then we'll go back and pick on it a little bit. 
Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises in order that by them you might become of the nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Notice Peter says, everything pertaining to life and godliness came to us, comes to us through what? The true knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. The true knowledge Peter is speaking here is not an academic knowledge. And this is important, guys. The word, if you do a little word study there, it's not an academic knowledge, but it's a personal relational knowledge with Jesus. Let me see if I can illustrate it. If I'm talking to you and, and I say to you, you know, I know, uh, I know President Joe Biden. And uh, so you have an occasion later to see the president and you say, you know, we've got a common acquaintance. And he says, who's that? And you say, Winston Parker. And he said, Winston who? He said, I don't have a clue who that guy is. So you come back to me and say, listen, I talked to President Biden. He says he doesn't know you. And you told me you know him. I said, I do know him. I have followed his, uh, his career for years. I've read every book that is about him. Hmm. That's not the knowledge he's talking about here. Let me illustrate it in another way. My wife, Judy, and I have been married for 62 years. We thought we knew each other when we got married, and we did. But with Christ, we've gone through all kinds of experiences through the years together with Christ. We've buried loved ones. We've had the joy of children and grandkids. We've had the ups and downs of finances and health and so on and so on. Today, we each know Jesus and each other in much more personal way today than we ever imagined. So it is with our relationship with God through Christ, if we'll live by biblical faith. That's the goal. Yes, we knew Jesus the day we became a Christian. But Peter says that should be only the beginning of developing a deeper personal relationship with Jesus that we will carry into eternity. Men, developing our relationship with Jesus is our purpose in life. How well we do this life will appreciably affect our life in eternity. Let me, re let me repeat that, men, because we need to understand that. Developing our relationship with Jesus is the purpose of our life. And how well we do it in this life will appreciably affect our life in eternity. Don't miss that. Let's look at verse four. 
He says, in addition, in verse four, God gives, gives us his promises so that we may live by them. We will gradually deepen our relationship with Jesus, resulting, he says, in taking on the divine nature of Jesus, Christ-likeness. Hmm. This morning, and I just, I just, I want to just really emphasize this. This morning, we don't have much time to spend on the promises of God. I wish we did, but we don't. However, living on the promises of God, it may be for Christians in general, one of the most neglected ingredients of living by biblical faith. See, men, all men live by promises. Without exception, all men live by promises because promises give us hope. See, we have a choice of the promises either from the world or from God. Hmm. Let me encourage you to begin to identify God's promises, particularly in the New Testament and intentionally learn and live based upon them. Because if we don't intentionally do that and make an effort on our part, then if we're passive, we'll live by the promises of the world. Hmm. Let me give you one example of a promise. Every man in this room that is a Christian lives by this promise, whether you've thought about it this way or not. Romans 10, 9 says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's a promise. And for you as Christians, you've bought into that promise and you're living by it. You make your decisions based on it, don't you? Well, it's the same way with all the other promises. Boy, they're, they're, they're such a, such a, uh, resource for us that's why god gave them to us to live life and godliness yeah see to the degree that we live by the promises of god we will have the grace and peace of god multiplied to us as peter said earlier hmm. let me stop there and uh, if there's any uh, any questions why uh, I'll let Trevor answer them for me. I think we're all good here, Winston. Okay. All right. Well, now Peter turns his attention on how to, uh, the how-tos of living by biblical faith. So let's look at verse five, if you will, with me. Now, for this very reason, also applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence. Some translations say virtue. And in your moral excellence, knowledge. Peter is saying here, considering all God has provided, provided for us in verses 1 through 4 to live by biblical faith, 
we need to apply all diligence to our faith, moral excellence, or virtue and knowledge. The word for knowledge here as used is different than the knowledge we talked about in verses two and three of personal knowledge. The word knowledge here in Greek, it simply means to gain knowledge, in this case, by reading and studying the Bible. Apply, he says, apply all diligence. Apply all diligence is the idea of getting after it, having an urgency, an eager urgency to pursue and attain both knowledge and virtue. Now, moral excellence or virtue has the meaning of strength, manliness, valor, courage, fortitude, resolution, set your jaw, total commitment. Hmm. You've got to be committed if we're going to live by moral excellence. Jesus Jesus gives us an illustration of that. He talks to us about that in Luke 9. Would you go over there with me? Luke 9, chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. I'm going to start in verse 23. Luke 9, 23. Luke 9, 23, Luke 9, 23. And Jesus was saying to them, if anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life shall lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, he is the one who will save it. Jesus says, add to your faith virtue, moral excellence, total commitment. And then still in Luke 9, drop, you drop your eyes down to verse 59. Verse 59, Luke 9, 59. Jesus said to one, follow me. But he said, permit me first to go and bury my father. But he said to him, allow the dead to bury his own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim everywhere the kingdom of God. That sounds like being an ambassador for Christ, doesn't it? And another, verse 61, and another said, I will follow you, Lord, but permit me to say goodbye to those at home. But Jesus said to him, no one, after putting his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Men, any endeavor without total commitment, without moral excellence or virtue and knowledge, is mediocrity at best. God will have nothing to do with mediocrity. Just as God has an unqualified commitment to us as Christians, he expects the same in return. 
Hmm. Again, any thoughts, questions? Well, you guys are, they must have really worked you over the last day or so. You can't even talk. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go on then. Peter continues to review the qualities and the process of gaining and living biblical faith. Add to your faith virtue, virtue, knowledge. And then he says, add to your knowledge self-control. And to your self-control, perseverance. And to your perseverance, godliness. And to your godliness, <clears throat> godliness, brotherly kindness. And to your brotherly kindness, love. So, self-control. All permanent change starts with a change in thinking. You want to change behavior, you have to start with thinking. For you guys that are raising younger kids, the emphasis ought to be helping them think clearly. Because if they think clearly, they'll do clearly. Yeah. Rules, some rules are necessary, but ultimate Permanent change all starts with our thinking. See, the spiritual battle is won or lost by what we think about. The Apostle Paul in Philippians 4.8 says, Brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, if there's any any actions and anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. Again, that's the way we maintain uh, God's peace in our life. Again, write this one down and look at it on your own. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 5. Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. For we are destroying speculation or imaginations. That sounds like our thinking, doesn't it? For we are destroying speculations or imaginations, and we're taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Wow. Men, that's where the spiritual battle is won or lost, is in controlling our thinking. Self-control is won or lost at the thought level. Solomon did that clearly when he said, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Therefore, a consecrated commitment to understanding the Bible and applying it will result in self-control. Because we'll gradually 
renew our minds to conform to the mind of Christ. Hmm. Now, Peter then goes on and he says, add to your faith self-control and the self-control is followed by perseverance. Perseverance means steadfastness. To stay in there under all circumstances to live by biblical faith. Just hang in there. And that's where commitment is so important because sometimes commitment may be all we've got. <laughs> If things really get tough. Yeah. And then he follows perseverance by godliness. And godliness is really just an accumulation of this process he's taken us through of moral excellence or commitment, knowledge, self-control, perseverance. And as we go through that process, we're gradually taking on the divine nature of Christ and may not even realize it. See, that's godliness. And I'm sure you guys have maybe met some old saints that they're just, uh... I remember one time I was in a, in a Sunday school sitting in a Sunday school and uh, they had a, a, an old man that had been a missionary for 40 years in China. And the teacher of the Sunday school asked him to get up and just say the opening prayer. And I'll never forget the old gentleman got up and began to pray. We all had our, we bowed and had our eyes closed. And as he prayed, I literally had to open my eyes and look up there. I would not have been surprised if Jesus had been standing there next to him. He just radiated with a sense of that intimacy with Christ. See, that's what Peter's talking about here. That's what it's all about, men is knowing, knowing Jesus and let him do his thing in our lives so we can become more and more like him. And again, that's why we're here, to prepare us to spend eternity with him. Yeah. You might say this life is only the preseason, if you will, for the real game, which is in eternity. And then Peter goes on and adding to your godliness, brotherly kindness. Brotherly kindness is phileo love, brotherly love. And so as we go through this process and godliness beca becomes part of who we are by the work of God and us being responsible, then an automatic result is phileo love, meaning that we begin to have a supernatural special bond 
and love for our brothers and sisters in the body of Christ in church. And you guys, I'm sure, have some of those special bonds, don't you? Their friendships, their relationships, like uh, you've probably never had before. They're special. You can't even explain uh, how special they are. See, that's one of the results and the benefits and the wonders and the beauty of being diligent and living by biblical faith. I'm sure some of you probably have those kind of relationships with people that aren't in your family. <laughs> and you may have some in the family that you don't have that kind of relationship with. It's all the difference is Jesus and letting him have his way in our lives. Hmm. Then that, that, the psalmist said it this way, Psalm 73, he said, the nearness of God is my good. Now think about that a minute. The nearness of God is my good. Psalm 73, I think it's 28, I'm not sure about the address. See, the psalmist had gotten a taste of intimacy with Jesus, with God. And then as you get a taste of that intimacy, nothing else satisfies. All it does is whet your appetite to get to know him better and better. And again, that's why we're here. Because I can't imagine what it's going to be like in eternity. But we got to remind ourselves that to the degree that we prepare us here, ourselves here, to have intimacy with Jesus is going to affect how we relate to him in eternity. That's why it's so, so important to go back to moral actions or commitment. We've got to be committed to know him above everything else. And so godliness leads to brotherly kindness or phileo love and then Peter says, phileo love results in love. And that love is agape love, God's love, <laughs> godly love. And again, it's a result 
of continuously walking through this process. And agape love, God's love is displayed in a man's life by the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit. To love God with all our heart and our minds. You remember Jesus says that's the greatest law? Yeah. And to love our neighbors as ourselves. Hmm. See, the world has no idea about Gopi love. And I'm afraid there's a lot of Christians that aren't don't because they're not willing to pay the price to live by biblical faith. And it saddens me. But agape love, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we begin to learn to love God with our whole being and our neighbors and even love our enemies. Only Jesus can do that for us and through us. Love our enemies. Because we begin to develop a heart the same as God's. And he has a heart for all men. For the saved and the lost. And so agape love begins to look at those that are without Christ with compassion. Can you imagine living without Christ? Particularly the last couple of years with all the chaos we've all gone through. That's horrifying. More horrifying than that is, can you imagine living without Christ for eternity. Agape love then has compassion and wants to share the gospel. Hmm. And by the way, that's God's plan from the very beginning is the redemption of man. In Genesis 3, he makes it very clear that talked about Jesus and that's what's on God's mind is the redemption of man and so Jesus came to redeem man and then he took 12 unlikely guys maybe the apostle Paul wasn't so unlikely But the rest of them were just unlikely guys like you and I. And he said, I want you to have the same heart I have. I want you to go out and share the message that God has on his heart of redeeming mankind. And so the apostles went out with that on their heart and they shared it with others. And the apostle Paul calls those guys 
ambassadors. And so God has not changed his focus from the very beginning of the redemption of man. And so from Jesus to the apostles to you and I, God is building his church. And he wants us to be an integral part of that. He's building it, but he wants to use us. And we're ambassadors for Christ. And that's an integral part of living by biblical faith. I'm sure the term E squared has been talked about this weekend. That's what we're talking about. Evangelism and discipleship. And I would suggest to you men that unless you're unless you are involved in some form in E squared and committed to it, that you're, going, you're not going to reach your full potential of living by biblical faith. It's not that God needs us to build his church, but we need to be a part of him building his church to live by biblical faith. So if you aren't, Get with some guys that are and let them help you learn how to get into the action. Let me stop anything there and then then we'll move on with Peter. All right. Wow, this is a quiet bunch. All right, Peter then moves on from there to self-examination in verse 8 through 11. Follow along as I read it, and then we'll talk about it. In verse 8, for if these qualities are yours, now he's talking about what qualities? Moral excellence, knowledge, Self-control, perseverance, godliness, phileo love or brotherly kindness and love. For if these qualities are yours in increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, seven qualities in our end. We can know our life is not useless. If you do a little work on that useless, it means slothful or lazy. We're not being passive. We're being active. And not unfruitful. And not unfruitful, but making good headway and gaining a great personal knowledge and relationship with Christ. Hmm. Verse 9, he says, for he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from former sins. Peter says here, if these seven qualities are lacking, then we as Christians have lost sight about what it's all about to be a Christian. Peter says, we are either blind when he says we're blind meaning we don't even know what we're missing or 
the possibility of not even being a Christian. If not blind, we will be short-sighted, meaning we're living our life on the promises of the world and ways and ignoring the eternal consequences of how we live our life here. Man, that is scary. Then in verse 10, Paul says, Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make sure about your calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. Here Peter says, the way we can have assurance that we are a born-again Christian is to diligently practice adding to our faith moral excellence, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. And in verse 11, he says, for in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be abundantly supplied to you. Assurance of salvation is only for the obedient. Let me repeat that. Assurance of salvation is only for the obedient. Men, we must remember wherever each of us is, and this is important. We must remember where each of us is in our walk with Jesus. All God expects of us is to do our best. And part of that is to forget what lies behind us and move forward, being diligent to be faithful in what we know today. And I say that because some of you may think, oh gosh, man, if, man I've missed some opportunities or I should, I should be further along or whatever. I just wanna, I just wanna encourage you and warn you, don't compare your walk with Jesus with others. God deals with each one of us strictly on an individual basis. Comparison to others is destructive and discouraging. The Apostle Paul, man, he had a history of persecuting the church. And listen to what he says about himself in Philippians 3.13. He says, one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward God, for the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So, man, let me encourage you. I don't want, I don't want you to be discouraged. I want you to be encouraged that God will take us wherever we are right now and just move us forward and take, take what we've talked about here in Second Peter and move forward and be encouraged. If repentance is necessary, fine, but then move ahead. Once you've had repentance, then leave yourself alone. Be encouraged and move forward. 
Jesus says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And God will take you. He'll take all of us exactly where we're at. And only there can we get that kind of treatment. The world sure won't do that, will it? <laughs> yeah. So be encouraged and move forward. Well, let me close with a couple, three applications. Winston, can I ask a quick question? Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, sure. Verse 10 in the NASB says, Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling. Do you think that certain is the not the best word to use? Should it be yes. more assured of his yeah. calling? Some, some of the translations use sure. Uh, New American Standard, I, I, I'm, that, that is a uh, poor selection of word. Because, men, we cannot be certain of our salvation. Think about it. It's very simple. All of us live by faith, don't we? Is faith certain? If anything's uncertain, faith is uncertain. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. That's future. The conviction of things not seen. That's things we don't see. Well, we can't be certain about things we don't see, and we can't be certain about the future, can we? So faith is uncertain. So that's a poor translation of that. The word, some of the other translations use the word sure or assurance. We can have assurance. Yes, we can. And if we're walking by biblical faith, we'll have assurance. And we'll have assurance in many ways. Sometimes, as Paul says, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Wow. And you guys have probably had experience like that. Or the word of God just jumps out at you sometimes. And you just... You know that you know that you know, don't you? So we can have all kinds of assurance, but not certainty. Hmm. Thank you, Trevor, for bringing that up. Anything else? All right, let me throw out. Hold on, there's, well, there's another question, Winston. Quick question. Yeah, yeah, please. Earlier, earlier you said the degree of our faithfulness will make an appreciable difference in our eternity. Yes. Could you expand on that a little bit, please? Sure, sure. Um, let me turn, let's, let's go, Sam, to uh, 1 Corinthians 3. Now, I'm going to cover this pretty fast, but I'll... It'll give you some place to go. Uh, let me see here. Um, let's pick up in verse 12, just for 1 Corinthians 3, 12. And Paul is talking about that, that the foundation of our faith is Jesus. 
But then you and I build on that. And that's what Peter's talking about here with moral excellence and, and on and on and on. And so in verse 12, he says, now if a man builds on a foundation of gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, depends on what kind, what, how we live our life, how we live by biblical faith. Notice in 13, each man's work will become evident for the day will show it because it will be revealed with fire. Fire in the Bible generally talks about judgment. And all of us as Christians are going to stand judgment for how we live this life. We're not talking about grace, heaven, and hell, but we're talking about the consequences of how we live our life. So for, in 13 again, each man's work will be evident for the day will show it because it will be revealed with fire and the fire or, or the judgment itself will test the quality of each man's work. If a man's work, which is built, built on remains, he will receive a reward. He's talking about rewards in eternity. And we don't know much about what those look like, but I would suggest probably at least a facet of that is our intimacy with Christ. But I can't, I can't be dogmatic on that, Sam. If any man's work which is built on remains, he will receive a reward. If any man's work burns up, in other words, if we just spend our life on the things of the world only, and that not on the things of, of the kingdom of God, of people, and the word of God, he says, if any man's work is burned up, it, he will suffer loss. So there's loss but he himself will be saved. Why? He'll be saved because he's saved by, by grace, isn't he? Yet as though through fire. So that passage there is a good passage to think about it. And then let me give you one more passage. Second Corinthians 5.10 says that all Christians will stand, stand judgment before Jesus based upon how well we live by biblical faith. And Peter, we're, that's why we're talking about Second Peter. So take a look at that on your own, Sam. And if you need to talk about it more, well, call me. Anything else? All right, let's move on. I'm running out of time here, but I want to give you a, some possible applications to maybe enhance your walk your biblical faith. First, let me encourage you to get a group of guys and go through 2 Peter slowly and thoroughly and think through it. It'll change your life. Secondly, let me challenge you for the next seven straight mornings. First thing, before you turn your phone on or your computer Spend one hour in your Bible, reading, listening, thinking, praying, repenting, taking notes. Just relax and enjoy the still time with Jesus. You might say just feeding your soul. Do that for seven days. That'll, that'll change your life.
Now, of those seven days, if you miss a morning, you have to start over until you get seven straight days. Ooh, that makes it a little harder, doesn't it? But it will certainly improve your soul life. See if it doesn't make a difference on your level of God's grace and peace in your life. I can't guarantee it. But if I could, I would, because it will. <laughs> Secondly, let me challenge you to take the first three days of those seven mornings with Jesus and fast for all, from all news by phone, computer, and other sources each day. For three straight days, Fast from the news and see how much difference that makes. And then from that, you may want to make some adjustments. And then lastly, let me suggest during these seven days that you memorize John 5.30. Think on it and apply it. Jesus talks about how he walked by biblical faith in that verse. So not just memorize it, think on it. Have the Holy Spirit stir it up for you. Internalize it. Say, is a lifelong process of developing a deeper personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Let me pray, man. May I please? Father, I pray that you would move every one of our hearts. Starting with me. That we'd have a deeper, deeper passion and commitment to understand and know you, Jesus. to glorify you, to honor you, to magnify you. And Father, please give each one of us your heart for the lost and for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Help us, help us to truly agape love. In the name of Jesus, we ask you, amen. Thank you, man.